Thank you, sir. Um, but not long ago, I was listening to some of Brother Tony's services here. He was kind of long-winded. And uh, I, I was listening to one, and he was in Genesis or something. He said uh, he had been in it for four years or something like that. And then I didn't feel so bad. So uh, Talked to him earlier this week, had a good talk with him, and uh, sure do love him and his family. I know what it was during announcement time, prayer requests. Uh, we need to be in prayer for Tracy. Um, she's been having some problems with her feet, hips, knees, all that kind of stuff. And uh, went to the doctor here the other day and got, got some things checked out and found out she's got arthritis in her feet. And they're talking about maybe having to do surgery there. Uh, so we need to be in prayer for Tracy. I also have a note here. Is it daily or dally pits? Daily. Who gave me this? Okay, all right, great. Um, daily pits. Oh, my. Lost her six-month-old son uh, this past week. So we need to be in prayer for daily. Oh, that's so sad. And uh, Miss Karen, somebody that you know? I wandered. Okay. And then also pray for Dustin Rowland. I uh, had a stroke this afternoon. So anybody know Dustin? Somebody we need to be be, pray, be, pray, uh, be praying for. Um, and then, of course, be in prayer for Brother Stanley. Uh, we'll be headed out there tomorrow to St. Louis, my wife and I, to, to be with them. And um, very serious. Uh, talked to him few times here over the past couple of weeks and again last night. Uh, well, no, I called him last night, talked to him this morning. And, um, you know, he says he's not worried. I'm glad about that. Um, but uh, 70 to 80% chance of success uh, without paralysis. But we're talking about major stuff here. So uh, we need to be in great prayer for him. He, he'll be there at 530 in the morning. And uh, then, of course, you know how that prep stuff goes whenever they get him in after that. Uh, could be a four- to six-hour surgery. just depends on how it goes. Uh, so would you please be in great prayer for him and uh, Miss Ruthie tomorrow? Uh, I always get stuck between Miss Ruth and Miss Ruthie. So hope I said that right. But be in prayer for them tomorrow. Let's bring these things to the Lord this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we think of, of Tracy. I pray that you would help her. She's having pain uh, walking and uh, having issues with her hips, her knees, uh, her feet. And now they're talking about maybe needing to do surgery there on her feet. And so I, I pray that you would please give her comfort and uh, help them to identify the source of some of these problems so that maybe Tracy can work on some of that. But also at the same time, I pray that you'd help this. If they move forward with a procedure, I pray that you'd help this procedure to go well give her strength and recovery and help her to be better after the fact than she was before. Uh, Lord, we pray for daily. Uh, I cannot imagine what it would be like to lose a little one at six months old like that. And so I, I pray that you would please uh, comfort daily's heart and uh, pour out your spirit upon her. And if, Lord, if she doesn't know you as her Savior, would you please draw her into salvation? I, I guess we know you're already doing that. You want all people to be saved. But, Lord, I pray that you would 
that you would make it possible. Send somebody along uh, to witness to her. We pray for Dustin uh, Rowland, who had a stroke. I pray that you would please be with him, uh, help him to recover quickly and completely. And uh, Lord, we we pray for Brother Stanley. I I pray that you would please uh, give him strength this evening uh, in his spirit, in his heart, in his mind. Uh, I pray that you would help him to get some rest this evening and that uh, you would give him safety tomorrow. Please, Father, I, I, I beg you, give wisdom and discernment uh, to those that will be performing the procedure. Lord, I, I pray that you, would, that you would please guide and direct their thoughts in their hands, help everything to go better than it should. I pray that you would help Brother Stanley to come out of this uh, even better than he was before. And Lord, please prevent any major problems or setbacks. We put his health, uh, his life, uh, all of it in your hands, and we trust you with him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do what maybe even the doctors, surgeons, the specialists, the nurses, everybody involved, I pray that you would do what they cannot do. And, uh, Lord, give them the wisdom to do what they can do to the best of their ability. Father, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon the service this evening. Speak to our hearts as only you can. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 4. We see it here in our text verse, and we'll use this as our springboard, and then I have a few things to get into once we cover uh, the foundational truths. Verse uh, number 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, (laughs) even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I know we just prayed for others, but let's pray over this and we'll have a seat. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd please... Bless the service with your Holy Spirit power. Guide and direct my thoughts. I yield myself to you and I ask you please to fill me with your Holy Spirit power. We pray this in Jesus' name and amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to the fact that God tells us that every man hath received the gift. Now remember, the gift that we speak of, I believe, is more than one. The gift of salvation. And so as we have received the gift of salvation and the gift of grace, let us minister the same one to another, to the lost and dying world. It has been amazing to see uh, so many people saved here recently. And can I, just, can I just be pastoral here for just a minute and say this? Satan will do everything in his power to try to stop that from happening. And so if he can do anything to get uh, us against each other or to get us at odds about something that doesn't really uh, weigh on the church all that much, He will do it. If He can get us to be at odds against each other, uh, then He will 
do it. If He can get us to begin to focus on things that don't really matter, then He will do it. It's important for us to remember that as we have received the gift of salvation, that even so we should minister to others with that same free gift. And it's going to be up to us to keep our guard up against the wiles of the devil because he doesn't want this stuff happening. And the last thing in the world he wants to see is somebody get saved on Sunday or somebody get baptized or somebody join the church. He doesn't want to see progress in the church. So he'll do everything in his power to try to get us at each other over things that don't really matter in the eternal spectrum. And so let's remember what does matter and make sure that God is at the forefront of our ministry and that His desire and that His heart is understood. You understand that the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You understand gates don't move. Sometimes we feel like for some reason when we read that passage that that means that hell is coming after us. But it's in reverse order. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Is actually, gates were used in a defensive method in those days. And I believe what God is saying is that we as Christians ought to be charging the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ for those who are lost. And that God has given power to His church to see that end completed and finished. That same gift that has given, been given to us, we not only as individuals but as a church, must continue to minister one to another in that same gift of salvation. But then also we've been looking at the gifts that God gives to all of us and how that we are to minister one to another to edify the church and to build up the church with the individual gifts that God has given us. Now, we spent some time last week in 1 Corinthians concerning some of the confusion of the gifts that the church of Corinth was struggling with. So let's go back very quickly, if you would please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and let's look at um, verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Diversities of gifts, meaning multitudes of gifts, many types of gifts, right? There are diversities of gifts, many different types of gifts that the Lord gives. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 4. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So God is talking to them about the fact that they were, they were having divisions over everything under the sun. They were finding everything they could to be divided against each other, as opposed to having charity with one another and love towards one another. And so they were constantly looking for things to puff themselves up against each other over. I'm better than you kind of a thing. And my gifts are better than your gifts kind of a thing. And the way I do communion is better than the way you can do communion kind of a thing. And the preacher that I got saved under is better than the preacher you got saved under kind of a thing. Everything they could find to be divided against each other, they were divided against each other. And God is saying... Make sure you understand that when it comes to these gifts God has given you, none is less or more important. And the ones that you think are more important, like the parts that put people in the forefront, like the preaching and the singing and things of that nature, just because you might be in the forefront and it might be a more comely part doesn't mean it's a more necessary part. The more necessary parts are often the more uncomely parts. And we've had some laughs over that kind of stuff. Your brain and your kidney are very necessary, but we are all glad we can't see each other's brains because that would be gross. Now, the Bible tells us that God has put all of us together with our many differences for a purpose. Now, the Bible says in verse number 
7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So where do these gifts come from? They come from the Spirit of God, from the Holy Spirit, right? So they're only available to save people, not to lost people. Now in verse number 8, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. We discussed that, but when it comes to the... Let me find where I was on my notes. I lost my place. Oh, I've got them all out of order. There we go. Uh, is that the same one? Yes. Uh, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That word wisdom in that passage means the right use or exercise of knowledge. In uh, the next phrase, the Bible says, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, which means a clear perception of that which exists or of truth and facts. And we talked about some of that, how that some people seem to have different wisdom from others, and that can often be, I believe, a gift of the Lord. Now, we can all exercise wisdom and should exercise wisdom, and we can all request wisdom from the Lord, and He will give you the gift of wisdom, right? According to the book of James, chapter number 1, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, right? So wisdom is a gift that can be given to all people. But it is also something that I believe that God gives in abundance to certain people for certain tasks and for certain situations. Then the Bible talks about knowledge, which is a clear perception of that which exists or of truth and facts. In other words, there are some people that just be, seem to be able to see things a little more clearly about certain situations or about certain subjects or whatever the case may be. Are you with me? We can all grow in knowledge, but knowledge, knowledge puffeth up. But in each and every situation, God can give to certain people different knowledge about different things. I was talking to Brother Daniel yesterday about a couple of different things, and, and, and it just amazes me how that guys like him, and he was talking about Brother uh, 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 Dennis uh, McElrath, some things that he's been doing, and, and, and they just talk about you know building things like it's nothing. You know, like, oh yeah, I think Brother, Brother Dennis was going to put up some kind of a, you know, like a little mini factory because some people were wanting uh, a way to make spools for this and that. And so uh, he's working on just putting something like that together. And I said, you say that like it's no big deal. Like, yeah, he's just going to throw up a little factory. I said, I don't even comprehend that way of thinking. Now to me, hopefully God has given me some knowledge and understanding and perception in the things that God has gifted me for. But the things that God has gifted him for, God gives knowledge for those things. Is everybody okay? That was Tony Hudson. Wow. Is everybody okay? All right. Um, Bible says in verse number 9, to another faith by the same spirit. We talked about that. Uh, and how that we should all have faith and that God gives faith, that it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But when it comes to our faith, there are some that just seem to have an exorbitant amount of it. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think here. What was the situation here? Uh, when I first came, and uh, Miss, Miss Barb uh, that uh, lost her son, and, you know, I sat back there and talked with her about that for a little bit. And I was just amazed by the faith that she has. Just amazed by it. And I'm not saying we don't all have faith, but some people just seem to have a gift of faith. They just trust God no matter what. Now we get into some of the other things. 
to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Do you see that? Now there seems to be a division between the things that we just read and that list. Because we don't see those gifts anymore, the gifts of healing. Those things were done as a sign that Jesus was the Son of God. And He was sending men out in His name to preach His Word and prove that He was the Son of God by showing signs that were miracles that could not be explained any other way than to say that they were miracles. Are you with me? Because only by these things that were miracles, miraculous, different from the other gifts that God gave, could there be proof that there was something different about these men than all of the others that came preaching false gospels? So God gave them special gifts, gifts of healing by the same Spirit, the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Those things existed in these days as a sign that Jesus was the Messiah and as a sign because He was sending messengers out with His Word and He wanted to signify that what they were saying was truly the Word of God. Are you with me? And that was given even to men like Moses. Remember, we went over that a couple of weeks ago. How that even men like Moses, when they went to the children of when he went to the children of Israel, he said, How are they going to believe me? Why would they listen to me? And God gave him signs to confirm that this was his word. So that the people would hear what he said and believe that it was God who was saying it. Are you with me? What were some of the signs that he demonstrated that this was his word? Some of the signs were that he told him to take his staff, his rod, and to cast it down, and that it would turn into a serpent, right? Into a snake. And that his snake then devoured the other two snakes from the other magicians, and then he snatched it back up. Is everybody with me? And this was a sign and other miracles that God gave Moses the power to do to confirm this is somebody I have sent, and you need to listen to his words, and those words are recorded for us in God's word. Remember we discussed that God sent uh, these men with confirming signs. And then there were some who might come along and say, but I have a message from God. And God gave us a very simple test about whether or not that person is truly from God. Does what they say come to pass? (laughs) If it doesn't, then they weren't sent from me. And people used to do that all the time. Oh, I know exactly Lord God spoke to me, you know, a 300-foot Jesus spoke to me. Who was it that saw like a 300-foot Jesus? Who was that? Oral Roberts. And God, and, and God has spoken to me and given me a specific time frame for His return. And you know, So how do we know that that wasn't a real prophet of God? It didn't happen. It's a very simple test. Now, there is today no need for any new prophecy of the Word of God. We do not need any new words. It is signed, it is sealed, it has been delivered to mankind. And he said in the book of Revelation, don't touch it, don't add to it, don't take away from it. Right? We have a more sure word of prophecy than the one that they were receiving back then. Remember, they were receiving the word of God little by little, person by person, generation by generation, here a little, there a little. As God was giving them the word of God, he would confirm his word through his men by giving them signs and miracles And they were hearing things little by little. But we have a greater luxury than they do. The fact, or than they did, excuse me, I mean they are are still alive, but but, uh, in heaven of course. But we have a greater luxury than they did. They didn't have the full word of prophecy, but we do. 
And we have a more sure word of prophecy. So, we, we've gone through all of that. Alright, so, these gifts, how do we know that they have stopped? Well, first of all, because they're not being demonstrated with any power anymore, but we can't go on our own experiences only, because some will come along and say that these gifts are still alive. These miracle gifts. And that they're still getting new prophecies from heaven. And we discussed that last week. Now, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and look at verse number. Um, seven. Charity is being discussed here. And I don't have time to get into this whole passage. I gotta hurry. Charity beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. We've all heard that preached over and over again. But look at verse number 8. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecy... Something changed in the microphone just a second ago. Anybody else hear that? Oh, it's gone again. Is this thing on? Is it working? Can you, are you hearing me okay? Does that change anything at all? It does? Okay, good. Then it's working. Great. I believed you, but I didn't believe you. All right. <laughs> I don't have any speakers up here that, that I can hear from, so I can't tell. They're, those are in, in front of my, my, my ears, and I can't quite always hear when it's on. So, Verse number 8, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall. What? Now, is God saying prophecies sent by Him shall fail? In other words, are not going to come to pass? No, 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 no. What He's saying here, the word means end. Prophecies shall end. In other words, people that speak prophecies are no longer going to be getting prophecies. There will come a time when that will come to an end. Are you with me? But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall what? Cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall what? Now, God isn't saying that we're going to stop being able to think. He's talking about special knowledge that He gave to these men as He was as he was speaking through them, this special knowledge that was given to them to write the Scriptures. Are you with me? It shall what? Vanish away. You see that? Verse number 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. What is that talking about? We had, at that point, they had a partial word of God. We know partly the things that God wants us to know, and the things that we are saying to God's people are not the complete Word of God yet. It's not all finished. So we know some things partially that God wants us to know, and when we prophesy, it's not the whole truth, it's just part of the truth that God is going to reveal to His people. It's another layer of it. So when Paul gave us uh, 1 Corinthians here, it became Scripture, and it was part of the bigger picture of Scripture. Are you with me? So we know in part, we currently have an existing prophecy that is partial to them at that time. And we prophesy in part. We don't always all say the entire thing because God hasn't given us the entire thing. We're all part of the bigger picture. Are you with me? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be what? Done away. Now wait a minute. What is perfect? What should we have been looking for that was going to come that was perfect? Now that's not a trick question. But there are only a couple of things in the Bible that are named perfect. Are you with me? 
So we need to use the Bible to define itself. Let's not use charismatics. Let's not use the internet. Let's use the Bible to define itself. So when the Bible says, for when that, or but, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. What is he talking about? All right, so let's look at it. What does God call perfect in his word? First of all, look at Psalm chapter number 19 in your Bible. Psalm chapter number 19. You know this, but we're going to read it. Psalm chapter number 19 and verse number 7. Psalm 19 and verse number 7. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is what? Sure. There's that sure word of prophecy. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. So what is perfect? The law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? The Bible. Are you with me? All right, turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 48. So we know one thing according to the Word of God that is perfect. Is man perfect? Nope. Is the earth perfect? Nope. Are angels perfect? Nope. Some of them have fallen into sin. So what is perfect? Don't ask, don't ask my wife if I'm perfect. She'll tell you the truth. Verse number 48 of Matthew chapter 5. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is what? So the Bible tells us that we need to be holy as He is holy and be perfect. In other words, to be continuously be working on our actions and our perfection in the Christian life, even though we will never achieve in this flesh full perfection, we should always be working towards perfection. But who is perfect? God the Father is. Right? He is perfect. Look at it again. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is what? Perfect. So God is perfect and His Word is perfect. And that's it. Right? Now the Bible says, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Alright, so what's he saying? So right now, we're only getting parts of the Word of God to give unto you. And at the moment, we only have part of the Word of God that is coming unto you. But notice what he says. When that which is in part is come, right? Excuse me, but that, when that which is perfect is come. I knew that didn't sound right. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So, when was a time that you can think of when God and the Bible came after this? Now think about it. We're in 1 Corinthians. Jesus has already risen from the dead, yes? He's already ascended into heaven, right? Okay, so we're past that part. Jesus is already gone. But God is perfect. And His Word is perfect. When are we going to see those two things come? It had to be sometime between now and the time 1 Corinthians 13 was written, right? Because these other things are not happening anymore, right? All right, I'll give you a clue. Turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 1. And look at verse number 9. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, 
was in the aisle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's a good idea. And heard behind me a great voice as of a, trump, as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, what? Write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. And he names the churches. Um, look at verse number 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And the Bible describes our Savior. After 1 Corinthians 13, when did God come? He came and appeared to John on the island of Patmos. Are you with me? And when he's told, John the Revelator, when he is told to write down the things in a book that he is about to see and hear and which he has already seen and heard. At the end of that book is when he says, my word is complete, don't touch it. Right? So look at Revelation chapter number 22 and look at verse number 18. Now, I want to say this. I am very confident that I'm right about this, but I've been very confident about a lot of things in my life and been wrong. And there are many that debate what I'm saying. I say many. There are some that debate what I'm saying right now. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to declare my opinion as the right opinion. But I happen to believe that there is, there is opinion on when the gifts ceased and why they ceased. Now, I believe that this is the majority opinion, but I want you to see what the Bible is saying here in verse number 18 of Revelation chapter number 22. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Do you see that? And he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. The, Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And that was it. Now there were two perfect things that came after 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. They were Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And when it was finished, God said don't change it. Right? Now I understand that applies to Revelation, but it applies to His whole book. Because if you read even in the Old Testament, God made it very clear, do not change my words. God finished His book. And that which is perfect, what are the only two things that we know of in the Bible that are called perfect? The Word of God and God Himself. Yes? Both of them came in the book of Revelation. Are you with me? And I believe once this book was signed, sealed, and delivered, and Jesus had appeared again in the flesh, God the Son appeared again in the flesh, I believe at that point, God said, it's finished, that which was in part is now full. So those prophecies that we were giving to you piece by piece, part by part, they're not needed anymore. So let's go back again to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Alright, very quickly. Is everybody still with me? I hope you're writing these things down because I know I'm going fast, but it's the best I can do. We're on week three of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Do you see that? 
When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth what? Faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is what? God said there will come a time when prophecies shall fail, Tongues shall cease, and knowledge shall vanish away. And when is that time? When that which is perfect is come, right? Two things that are perfect. The Word of God and God Himself. Yes? So once the Bible was complete, I believe with all my heart, that is when all of these sign gifts were cut off, done, finished, over, no more need for them. Right? That's what I see in the Scriptures. Now, some, some, some will say, well, it, it, it finished somewhere, and I don't know what they say, the book of Ephesians or something like that. You start seeing gifts falling off. I, I, you know, I, and I've heard different things. But either way, the most concrete thing to me is to know exactly what is perfect when the Bible says that which is perfect is come. When that which is perfect is come, that's the best way I can see it. Is everybody with me? You know, and listen, it's okay sometimes if we have differing opinions on some of these things. Study the Word of God for yourself and know it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Know your Bible. And if we disagree on this, you know what's amazing? We can still love each other and move forward. Because we agree on the major things. We do agree that the sign gifts and the miracle gifts are done. We don't have to agree on the timing of it to like each other. It's okay. We'll be all right. All right, moving along. I don't know why I said it like that, like there's an issue. There is no issue. Um, All right, so the sign gifts are done. All right, they've passed away. No more need for them, right? So healings, do people still get healed? Absolutely. But by the laying on of hands? No, not miraculous healings where one man is given the power to do so in the name of Jesus Christ in order to prove that he is sent from God, right? No need for that anymore. We have the full word of God. There's no need for sign gifts anymore, right? Are you with me? But do people still get healed? Absolutely. Get to the end, of the end of the book of James, and what does the Bible say? God will still heal the sick. But it's Him who's doing it, and not a man who has the power to do it. Right? Because that was a sign gift, used to confirm God's prophet and God's word, and God's son. All right. Back to... Uh, I don't have time to get into the meat of this in Romans, but look at Romans one more time, chapter number 12. I'm going to fly through this, so stay with me. Write it down as fast as you can if you're taking notes. Go back and watch the service later again and take notes again. Then you can pause it. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Again, there's those differences, right? Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. This is the kind of prophecy that is preaching. Remember, what is preaching? It is forthtelling and foretelling, right? We don't have any more foretelling going on because the Word of God is complete. It's not needed anymore. But we are to be forthtellers. We are to be preachers of the gospel of Christ, yes? All right. 
So, the Bible says, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. Um, all right, so prophecy, we've dealt with that concerning um, preaching. And it is a gift. Um, you, you'll, you'll, you'll see where preaching and, and ministering in the pulpit is a gift of God. In passages like Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse number 7, you'll have to write these down quickly. Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse number 7, 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 14, 1 Timothy 4, 14, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6. Now, <laughs> preaching is a gift. It is a gift given by God. Now, what about this uh, verse number 7 when the Bible says, uh, ministry or ministry let us wait on our ministering what does ministry mean it means serving and brother are there people in our churches that God gives the gift of servitude they're just servants and a lot of that has to do with their personality and by the way God formed their personality long before they were ever saved so that by the time they got saved he could then give them the gift of ministering and it would all work together perfectly but it is amazing to me how some people are just Servants, they will do anything and everything and bend backwards for anybody. Some of us have to work on that. Some people, it just comes naturally to them, and I believe that's a gift of God. Look at verse number uh, 7. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Teaching is, I mean, obvious. It means instruction, right? And there are some people that are great teachers. And that teach there. We have Sunday school teachers that have been here teaching uh, for, you know, most of some of your lives. And that's a gift from the Lord to be able to do that. And hopefully they're good communicators and good instructors. Then we see uh, verse number 8, he that exhorteth. What is exhortation? It means comfort, consoling, or consolation. God gives some people the gift of comfort and consoling. There are some people you just want to talk to when you're having a bad day. That's a gift that God gave them. I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to single him out. Uh, or exalt his gift above others. But to me, Brother Mike Redmond is a comfort. He's a consolation. He, he has a gift in that area of kindness and consolation. And man, if, if, I, if I'm having a bad day, I want to talk to Brother Mike Redmond. And probably Miss Kay too, but we don't talk a whole lot. Not as much anyway. And some people are that way. And there are some others, others of you in here that are that way. <laughs> Consolation, that is what that means. Um, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with what? Simplicity. Man, some people are just givers by nature. They will give of themselves. They will give of their finances. I mean, the missionary comes through and they are ready to empty their pockets. Wow. God gave that to them. Don't criticize them for it. Well, you know, that person, they just, you know, they're just doing that so they, well, I mean, if they're waving it in front of everybody, that's not a good idea, you know, but the Bible tells us to make sure that when we give that our, our, our left hand doesn't know what our right hand doeth or vice versa. Anyway, but some people just, I mean, they just want to give. It's just natural to them. They're, they're sacrificial. I have a couple of friends that are that way. I told one of them on the phone the other day. I was asking him if, if we could do something. And I know him. He's sacrificial. And I said, now, wait a minute. Before you say yes, I want you to know that I have no problem with you saying no to me because I know 
that you and your wife are sacrificial and you'll do anything for anybody. So I want you to think about this and let me know if it's really something you want to do. Please don't do this unless it's a... Because they will. They'll give you the shoes off their feet, the clothes off their back, and they've done it many times. Man, some people are just givers. We all ought to be giving. But notice the Bible says to do it with what? With simplicity. Meaning, don't expect anything back. Do it out of the simplicity and genuineness of your heart without holding anything in your heart against that brother or expecting anything out of them for doing it, right? He that ruleth with diligence, what is ruling? To, to be able to preside or superintend or to have natural leadership. Are, are you with me? God gives some the ability to rule. I believe God gives His pastors that ability. And there are some that probably aren't called to pastor, but they think they are, but they just don't have the gift of ruling. And it is one of those... We have to understand that there are certain roles that God gives to certain people that doesn't make them more important, doesn't make you less important. It's just the gift that God has given to the church to edify the church. And man, there are some people that walk around, they have natural authority. It's just what God gave them. Or sometimes it is something that was, that was developed over time as a gift from the Lord. Mercy. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with what? Cheerfulness. What is mercy? It means helping those who are afflicted. And doing it with cheerfulness. Now, God tells us if we have these gifts, these desires to do these things, He then gives us instructions on, now remember, if, you, if this is kind of natural to you, do it this way. And those of you that have the gift of mercy, do it with cheerfulness, right? Helping those who are afflicted. Verse number 9, then He gives general Advice to all of us. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, so on and so forth. Is everybody okay? These are the gifts that we see. And the first three or however many it is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 that God still imparts to His people. But can I ask you this? Do you think there are any other gifts? I personally do. Now, we don't have to divide on this. I personally believe that there are other gifts more and above and beyond just the ones that God names. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, in Exodus chapter number 35, the Bible says that God gave to a specific couple of men the wisdom to build His temple. And He gave them a gift that nobody else had to be able to do that and to be able to work with their hands and make the temple of God beautiful. And not everybody had that gift from the Lord. Um, in 1 Chronicles 25, I believe it's possible that God speaks of a gift of music that He gives to others. But listen, there are some people that are just gifted with certain talents that aren't necessarily named here. Some people can sing and some people can't. Some people can work with their hands and some people can't. Some people can just throw up a factory real quick for spools and some people are like, what are you talking about? Some of you people can work on a computer like it's nothing. And some people are totally lost and can barely get the thing on. And, and all of these gifts have been given so that they can be used for God's glory and for His church. For the edification of His ministry. 
I didn't get to the preaching part. First Peter, Peter chapter 4. One more time, and we'll close. I have a couple of thoughts. I will throw them in as quickly as I possibly can. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does that mean as good stewards? Stewards are, are managers of something that doesn't belong to them. Right? This isn't our grace. It's His grace. He gave us these gifts. Man, I've been reminded more over the past many years what do I have that I have not received? You understand the Bible says that, and I think right, right there in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, right where we are concerning these gifts, what do we have that we have not received? If God gave you these gifts, it's His anyway. He gave it to you. It doesn't belong to you. Don't be puffed up about it. If God gave you a little extra money, He gave that to you. Don't be puffed up about it. God gave you the ability to sing. Praise the Lord, but don't be puffed up. It's His gift. We ought to minister as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We're just managing something that He gifted to us. It's His. Are you with me? It's His money to give. It's His talent. It's His ability to play the piano. You know, the Stallmans make me sick, man. You know, they're like, you know, yeah, no, we don't, we don't really play very well. And then every instrument they pick up, they're just like doing it like a pro. I didn't get that gift. You know, well, we did practice, and you find out they practiced for like, you know, two weeks. And now they're like, you know, picking and everything. For years I've been trying to pick this up. But look at verse number 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, the, the word of God. If, God. if God has given you the gift to speak, why don't, why don't you speak the, the, the word of God? And speak it as it's his word, not yours. Preachers don't own this book, and we should never, ever try to change it to our will. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. If God gives you the ability to minister to somebody in a financial way, a personal way, an emotional way, remember, it's God gave, that gave you that, the, the, the ability to do that for them. Do it humbly. That God in all things might be what? Glorified through Jesus Christ. The whole idea of us doing all of this is so that God can get glory out of it. I don't deserve to preach. I've learned that more over the years. Sometimes I feel like Paul, a wretched man that I am. And if you try to use your gifts for the Lord, He'll humble you to make sure you use them with the right understanding that that's His gift, it's not yours. And it's our job to make sure that when we stand up, we preach as if it's His gift and not ours. We minister as if it's His gift and not ours. We give as if it's His gift and not ours. We do it humbly, understanding where it really came from. Is everybody okay? 
and then he gets the glory out of it. I didn't call myself to do this. God did. I didn't, I didn't make all that money. God, God gave it to me. He gave me the ability to make it. It's his. Whatever he wants done with it, he can do. Man, I, I got to let you all go. I may preach on the next part another day. Don't say anything. I'm thinking and praying. I know you, I, I know, I know. I remember those long Wednesday night services and sometimes you're just like, can we just be done? I'm going to stop. Let me, let, me just, let me just put one point here together and I'll be done. In order for the gifts that God has given all of us to be most well used, we all need every part of the body of Christ to be embraced and loved. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you've been given a specific gift for God's glory and for God's church. And that means... God has called into His church all kinds of different personalities, all kinds of people with all kinds of differences, and He uses those differences to make us better at all of our different gifts. If we were all exactly the same, we'd all have the same gifts. That's not what God wants. He brings different personalities into the church. He brings different ways of thinking. Man, we need to love each other for our differences. I mean that. One of the many things that Dr. Keith Gomez instilled in me when I was there for those five years in Bible college, oh man, does he preach it often, that God made every one of his people unique and that we're not supposed to be cookie-cutter cutouts. And that you don't have to part your hair a certain way or think a certain way or have a certain hair color or have a certain family in order to be important in God's eyes and we all ought to treat each other as if everybody is just as important as I am. Should never look down at anybody. Man, everybody in here means just as much to God as the next person. And yeah, we've got differences different personalities, different ways of looking at things. Sometimes you get asked, you hung out with them? Well, yeah. Uh, huh? What do you mean? They're God's people. What are you talking about? I don't understand. We're all the same. We don't have the same level of importance to God. We know they're a little different. Well, yeah, God made them that way. That's a good thing. We shouldn't all be alike. Well, they kind of think a little different. Yeah, yeah, God made them that way. They probably do think a little bit different. You think different than I do. I think different than you do. I don't want to criticize you for that. I love all the differences in our church. I do. And think about it. Peter was outspoken and a little off the cuff. Luke seems, by the way he wrote what God gave him, to be measured and calculated in his authorship. Probably polar opposite from Peter. 
Moses was meek and didn't like speaking in front of people. Abraham was scared of people because of his wife. James and John were the sons of thunder and the only two that were called that. Thomas was a doubter. Timothy had a stomach problem. Paul, some believe historically, was hard to look at and that he might have been a dwarf or a midget. He had been beaten and tortured so many times they believe he was disfigured. Different. Different. Huh? And all valuable. Different. Man, don't be the Christian that writes people off for those differences. I love the people in our church. I love all of your different personalities. We all have to learn how to deal with all of our different personalities, but I love them. I love the playful and the fun-loving people. I say this kindly, thoughtfully. Uh, my wife and I were talking about somebody earlier today. I was, I was on the phone for about an hour with a preacher that was dismissed from his position, and you know what? Not because of sin, because of differences. Not even doctrinal differences. You know what happened? This was a man that worked for me in my ministry at one point as a volunteer. God called him into the ministry, used him, and his personality just for the most part didn't gel with their personality, and they weren't willing to accept that. And he's broken. Why do we kill each other over our differences? Why do we do that? And I compared him to Cody. My, while my wife and I were talking, I said, you know what? He's fun and he's a little crazy sometimes. And I thought, you know, kind of like Brother Cody. I love Brother Cody's personality. It's nothing like Brother Phil's. I was waiting for some kind of response. A purposeful pause. Nothing alike. Both extremely valuable. I love both of them. Colton's nothing like Andrew. Haddon's nothing like Ben. I love these guys. Brother Ronnie is nothing like Brother Chris. Miss Jeannie's nothing like my wife. None of you are. Nobody here is like the other person. Why would we ever use that against each other? Instead, we should embrace those things and love each other for it. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. Brother Lewis won't leave me alone about my preaching time. And I'm doing it to, doing it to him again. <laughs> and you know what? I think it's great. I love it. Brother Lewis, I'm going to be honest with you. Somebody asked me the other day, because they know you. Somebody that doesn't go to this church, I won't tell you who. And it's not Brother Tony. Somebody that doesn't even go here. And said, uh, how do you get along with Brother Lewis? I said, boy, he always picks on you about that time. I said, did that to Brother Tony too. I said, I love it. I have a blast with him. I think he's great. And I meant it. I love Brother Kenny. 
Totally different personality from Brother Lewis. And I love him to death. I love Brother David. I love Brother Gerald. Man, I, I, can I just name all of you? I, I don't have time to name all of you. But, man, you're all so different and you're all so unique and you're all so wonderful and valuable to God. In the moment that we all embrace each other's differences and love each other and see how we all fit into God's bigger picture for His church, the better off we are. Let us minister one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I sure am glad that God is gracious enough to give us gifts to serve Him and to benefit one another. Aren't you? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us all to remember our importance to you and to use our gifts to your glory. Lord, I pray that you'd help your people to be serious about serving you with their gifts.